welcome to Everything Preacher. My name is Justin Blizzard. I'm joined by Keith Krepko and Rob Adams. We're currently watching AMC's Preacher. Today we're going to talk about episode six called Sundowner, right? Yes. Uh, before we get into the episode, we had a little bit of a name change. Well, not a little bit of a name change. It's either a name change or, or it isn't, right? So we had a name change. Although, I think I say little bit because it was what the original name of our podcast were, right? Right. So we decided to try out the Everything Is television moniker for a little bit. Didn't really care for it that much. So we're just going back to Everything Blank, whatever show we're talking about. So, for right now, we are Everything Preacher. As soon as Preacher is over and we find the next show to talk about, we will be Everything... Something else. Westworld. Whatever that other thing is. Yeah, something else. <laughs> it's like William tried Bill for a while. Right. And realized he'll just go back to William. Right. So now that that's taken care of, let's talk about uh, Sundowner. General impressions. Um, Keith, what did you think about the episode? Uh, I think I think the episode, it's, it's tough because... For me, it was a really strong start uh-huh. that kind of perpetuated some of the problems that I've had with it as the episode went along. Um, but I have to say that, and I, I feel like I've been saying this for a while, I still feel the momentum of a setup. Like, I still feel like they're building out, they're setting up their world. Mm-hmm. I think in a, in a conversation that we had, or maybe in our notes, I kind of wrote that, and I hadn't thought about it until I wrote down, that this is like an origin story for everybody. I mean, they're yeah. giving you the origin story of the villains, they're giving you the origin story of the heroes. Um, they're building every character from the bottom up. And... uh. I don't know that this season is heading for any answers of its mysteries or if it's just going to be one big setup for a finale that really moves things forward in a way that I feel like is actually progressing plot and not just kind of building out the world, you know? So in this one, we had a few more concrete answers, which I liked, but I still felt like this kind of dragging out, um, you know, the, the lack of any kin cannon um the lack of knowledge of what jesse's ultimate goal still is even though we keep getting that teased out i'm getting a little restless with it you know i kind of want to to see not only things come to a head because i think they did like in kin cannon story but i want to start seeing like the aftermath i want to start seeing these characters dealing with some repercussions of their answers or or, or, of their actions Mm mm-hmm so ultimately, well, I I may have went off off topic a bit. No, it's fine. Overall, uh, I liked this episode. Uh, maybe a slight degree less than the last one. Really? Mm-hmm. But I still I still liked it. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm ready now. We got to finish out with a bang here. Yeah. Rob, how did I liked you? it. I liked it. To me, it felt like the season as a whole, like in one smaller uh, bite-sized portion, because there were some really good scenes. There were some really bad scenes. 
It's like a roller coaster, but overall I liked it. Perhaps the worst scene of the series so far, I would argue, sure, is yeah. in this episode. Yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree with that. I would say second only to the pilot, this okay. is my favorite episode. I'm a little surprised, but pleasantly surprised. Me too. I just thought it was good. I mean, you bring up the the this uh, you have problems with things not being answered yet and in the notes you bring up the leftovers i feel like for the most part everything has been established and now we're just watching those things play out so i feel like we're getting a lot of answers in this show yeah as opposed to lost or the leftovers right and they're I, really they're sit sometimes it's as simple as them sitting at a table and saying it, but at yeah. least we're getting some answers. Yeah. yeah. But I feel like with Jesse, we don't know what his motivations are with Genesis or with the power. But I think that's because he doesn't know what it is either. Mm-hmm. Like it's so new to him, he's still trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of what this episode is about as well, is he's you can tell he's starting to doubt a lot of stuff and he's not really confident in what he's doing, but more or less he's trying to fulfill a promise to his father, I guess. But we don't know what that promise is explicitly. I mean, I think you can guess, but I felt like a lot of stuff happened. I mean, the, the cold opening is great. The, that mm-hmm. whole fight scene is yeah, awesome. I agree. And we, yeah, we are, we are getting answers now. So, so we get answers about, what Genesis is. We're getting uh, answers about who the angels are. They're angels from heaven. <laughs> they even tell us who this uh, blonde haired creature is, right? Or is, <laughs> creature. Is, right. It's a, she's she wasn't a, that or, ugly. Come on. It's a seraphim. Well, I'm just saying, like, it's not even, you can't even say it's a she, right? Because it just is sort of like a form or whatever. Well, the, well, and the only thing that I can say about that, too, is it was funny because Elise, as soon as she saw the lady, uh, my wife leaned over to me and she's like, oh, she's a stunt lady who was, who was cast. I was like, really? You think? And then immediately after that, the big brawl started. I was like, Good eye. Yeah. You were absolutely right. Good catch. So I liked awesome. it a lot. I mean, I was really into it. Um, and it, it, I thought it, it had a great... Outside, the only thing I'll say, the, the caveat is, yeah, that all of the Tulip stuff stinks. I do not like Tulip. I, I don't like what her character has become after the first episode. I don't like any of the scenes she's in. I just don't like her, period. And I really think sticking to what I said last episode or a couple episodes ago, I really wish she just wasn't in the show until until she has a purpose, right? So, like, she's been in every single episode Mm -hmm. mainly because she's Tulip from the comics. And so she's devolved into this just completely desperate woman to get her (laughs) boyfriend back. Whereas her character would have just been so much more powerful if it was just like she's in the she's in the she's in the pilot. She, you know, you sort of get a feel for her and then she just appears now and then when necessary. She just doesn't need to be there all the time. And then it's it it just it would have been so much more compelling for me, at least. And maybe this is just not her character. Maybe that's what she they want her character to be. Mm -hmm. But it would have been so much more compelling for me if or so much more interesting if. She just shows up mm-hmm. at 
Emily's house and she's not screaming about Jesse and breaking stuff. She just shows up and she's like, tell me how I can help out mm-hmm. because it's, it's not as transparent as what it's turned into. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still pretty easily identifiable as, oh, she's just trying to get in the good graces, but it seems a lot more clever than her just throwing a temper tantrum and breaking stuff. Right. And, and I, it makes her a lot more likable, I think. Yeah, I, I find it interesting just as a thought experiment to imagine her coming in this last episode. Imagine if she has the same introduction, but in this last episode. She comes like a bat out of hell, you know, making a bazooka, killing a guy with corn. She comes into Jesse's life and then starts in on her, you're a bad man, Jesse. At this right. point, I think you'd have a much more compelling dynamic than somebody who's spent three episodes trying to convince him that he's bad. One episode Just moping, begging, basically. Yeah, one episode moping about it, right. and then the next episode being some kind of needy, you know, ex not even you know current girl ex girlfriend yeah. character, which is insulting. It's insulting to that character in a way that disappointed me and i don't know if we if we want to talk about specifically but that scene of her walking into the house and telling you know uh, what's her name i forgot emily emily Emily. to stay away from her boyfriend and then you know trashing the little girl's piece of art and then going out and sitting in her car only to then be confronted by emily who then storms back into her house was something that made me embarrassed to watch and to conceive on. Uh, like, how as a writer do you write that scene and go, yep, turn mm-hmm. it in? And then how as an actor do you turn that scene into anything? Yeah. Which is the only defense I can give of Tulip is the fact that the act- actor is still committed enough to the character that as much as I cringed at that scene, I'm still ready to see her do something different. Like, it didn't sink her mm-hmm. it would have sunk me as an actor i know i wouldn't have been able to come back from that mm-hmm. but she's good enough that i think she can move on but man that scene is like that's embarrassing that's yeah. embarrassing to have in your in your show i liked emily in that scene i liked how she was upset she looks out she sees tool about there she goes out that seemed real to me to her going out and like Hitting the door. What didn't seem real is that they were kind of like buddies so quickly afterwards. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's th- like, let me watch your kid, and that was right. that was super weird. Right. I, um, I think I think my critique in that scene isn't even so much about Emily. It's still about Tulip. Yeah. She comes yeah. in there. She says some it, it, nothing tied to reality. She yells at Emily, and she storms out and sits in her car. And. I guess waits to be confronted so then right. she can go back in and become friends. I mean, it makes it's, no sense. Uh, yeah. Emily was fine. Tulip in that scene was just, uh, it was, it was uh, asinine. She's like the worst of stereotypes too. You know, crazy ex-girlfriend, you know, clearly there's no, it, very, very little, if any interest from Jesse in her. Um, you know, so if they're trying to build a triangle, it, it, like it's already going to fall over because mm-hmm. one of the poles is, isn't isn't in the isn't interested. Right. You know, he's not in the whole deal. Rob, you that since we're speaking about the scene, you had a note about uh, 
maybe a prediction that Emily is going, Emily is like on edge. Absolutely. I think in each scene she's okay. She, she runs she's on the toilet. <laughs> she's she's or she's old folding clothes or doing the dishes and stuff right she doesn't get much screen time she's pounding on the window she goes back inside she's clearly on edge because she like um snaps at her kid and then when mm-hmm. she's in That's the right. church later um you know she i guess she wanted to she just wanted Jesse to say thank you and when Jesse's like you and Tulip did such a great job she's like all right you know well I'm going to send Eugene in. It just, it feels like, Mm -hmm. like she is, she is at her limit because she, because she sees something going on with Jesse. She can't figure it out. Um, it it seems like she's going to blow her top or something, something's going to happen with her. I'm not sure where it's headed. Right. They're definitely building her up from even the scene where Jesse comes over and asks her to go pick up the TV. And they kind of build up not just her her interest in him as a you know as a romantic you know her, her romantic interest, but they pick up very heavy handedly on Jesse's kind of thoughtless use of her, how yeah. little he cares about her concerns in her life that he can just come into her into her house completely overlook the fact that she's infatuated with him and then demand that she do a favor for him and not even, you know, consider her needs at all. So they could either be doing that just to amp up the romantic side of, of interest, or they could be building, like you're saying, Rob, to, to some sort of either an emotional moment where Emily you know, calls Jesse out on some of this thoughtless behavior or where she literally goes postal and, and, and builds to something, um, like, you know, dramatic think, uh, Emily's version of the red wedding in game of Thrones. Cause she's um, the only level character in the whole thing. Yeah. There's like, everybody else is like off the charts, crazy somewhere, yeah. but she's not. And we don't know what to expect with her. Yeah. Uh, my my prediction is that she is just going to call Jesse out. She's going to be a voice of of course correction for Jesse's megalomania. I like her. I like um the actress. I think she's doing a pretty good job. Um, you know, as opposed to Tulip, I I don't get what's going on with her. I just, I just don't get it. Well, in in the last thing I'll ask about Tulip She's already "quote unquote" cheated on Jesse, right? Do do any yeah. of you care about that? That yeah. that even happened? I it- thought that was was, and and I know it'll just be brought up in the future as a sort of cheap way to cause drama between Jesse and Tulip and Cassidy. But I was still surprised to see how quickly they moved on from that. Yeah, because it seemed completely meaningless by this episode even though it's in actuality this really huge sort of dark action. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm sure it'll come back in the future as, like a, like I said, just a cheap way to cause drama, which yeah. I'm not looking forward to. Um, 
Okay, let's actually jump back to the beginning of the episode. So the episode opens with a continuation of the diner, right? That's where they left off in the mm-hmm. last episode. So Jesse's in the diner with the two angels. They continue to explain stuff, um, saying that Genesis is the baby of an angel and a demon, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which I thought was interesting because, first of all, I did not reach that point in the comic, or if I did, I did not remember it. Um, and it's a viable origin story for Phil Collins. Sure. <laughs> But I think it was one of Rob's predictions about the the possibility that the commands are so literal because they're coming from Genesis, who is a baby, right? Yeah. Uh, so I just thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. So we don't have clarification on that. I do like clarification on they're going to call it Genesis. It is Genesis. Right. You know, we don't have to... We've been calling the you know the power the word whatever we've been calling that entity genesis for you know seven episodes now and it's finally seven of our episodes right and it's it's finally um you know in the show so but no spoilers anymore um it's on like page two but of the comic but the thing is by that point you really don't know what's going on and then you sure. get in with the characters and you kind of that's something that you you forget pretty pretty quickly mm-hmm. um i think it's interesting that they they say how both heaven and hell are like have agreed not to talk about it or not to use it or not to do anything with it that because it's I, maybe it it you know it pushes the scales in one direction or the other i think that's an interesting concept it reminded me of saga because that's more or less the main storyline of saga right exactly mm-hmm even though obviously Saga came out decades later. Right. That's just what I thought of. In in reading the comic, it absolutely made me think of Saga as the story went on. Yeah. I was like, I think I know where he got some of his ideas mm-hmm. from, you know, for this. Um the one thing that I that I was going to ask you, which was really good, that I've completely <laughs> forgotten. Um, it had to do with the angels oh here's a minor knit okay this is just something (laughs) this is this is representative i I listened to a podcast called extra hot great about tv Mm -hmm. and they have a segment called i am not a crackpot where they get to call out a tv trope that just drives them crazy um and so my version of that is a scene where a character or characters are protecting information that then when it gets revealed has no bearing on like whether they had kept it secret or whether they'd said it, it, it affects and changes nothing. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they're like, Oh, we're not going to tell you about Genesis. We can't talk about Genesis. We're not going to tell you. And he's like, I'm good. I can make you. And then he makes him tell him. And then as soon as the one guy starts talking about Genesis, the other guy starts piping in about Genesis. And then mm-hmm. after all the information right. is given, nothing happens. Like the fact that the two of them would be sitting across and being like, we're not going to talk about that. It's just a, a trope that I've seen in a few shows and films. Then like, as a writer, what are you doing there? Are you just trying to get more like words in? Cause you get paid by the word. They're just mm-hmm. creating false drama. Just have the character say it. We ask them what, what Genesis is and they tell them. 
Because it doesn't affect any, it doesn't change anything. Well, I mean, there's the formality of them just not wanting to tell him, right? It's not that, yeah. it's just that they didn't want to. They didn't want to tell him what it was for whatever reason. And so Jesse used the word. And yeah, they could have just said, this is what it is, because that was the ultimate goal of the scene anyways. And they were going there no matter what. But I think it would also be weird if they were just like, oh, okay, yeah, this is what Genesis is. Listen, Justin, I'm not a crackpot, <laughs> okay? But that's what I feel. Sure. No, I mean, I see your point. I just think, I just think ultimately there are some sort of arbitrary decisions you have to give into. Mm. I'm going to die on that hill. <laughs> <laughs> um. So then we, f- they are then confronted by this woman, blonde-haired woman, comes into the uh, diner. Turns out she is also a stunt an- woman, right? Clearly, <laughs> clearly, obviously, obviously a stunt woman. Yes, but it turns out she is also an angel, right? But she's a different kind of angel. Mm-hmm. So she's been sent down to earth to, uh, sort of corral the Blanc. And uh, whatever the Fior. other guy's name is, Fior, right? And they call her a seraphim. Because they left heaven without permission. Okay. They're, they're not supposed to be there. There are rules, they say. And they didn't answer the phone. So the seraphim gets sent down to, like you said, corral and take them back. So they, and they are trying to hide the fact of Genesis from her because then she would go back to heaven basically tell God that Genesis is out and all hell would break loose. Yes. And in, in basic, not, not that this maybe affects the show as much, but I found it interesting too, that there are traditional, traditionally. And I think within the Christian circles, Catholicism probably has the clearest, um, idea or, or what's the word theology just idea mm-hmm. theology of angels mm-hmm. and there are kind of nine groupings the seraphim represent the highest order and each of the orders have different functions and things right so this woman represents the highest order coming down to set things straight I've also seen in pop culture and stuff them as being like the battling force or like the the battle type angels. Mm-hmm. Is is that accurate? Yes. Yeah, I think so. And some of sometimes, especially when you get to angelology and all that, you're you're kind of going off script. You're you're going based on you know external writings than like the Bible. Although exactly. the Bible does have, you know, angel fighting scenes. But I found it funny that they chose Seraphim and then their depiction of Seraphim is like a soccer mom, a soccer mom, or maybe more appropriately, a stunt woman, right? A stunt woman. Butterface. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I found that, I found that, uh, funny. And, and part of me wonders how much of it is like. Hey, we got this person. Let's just throw her in there. And how much of it is like intentional to, to poke at any kind of theology of, you know, of Christian theology, you know? 
I think they used Seraphim because it's the one that we would um, recognize, recognize the easiest. The easiest, yeah. It's just something that we've heard and we're we're used to. Um, whether that that's the top or the the medium wrong or the battle angels or whatever, I think they just picked a word that we would recognize as an order of you know of angel. Um, what they didn't say is what LeBlanc and Fior are. That's like, a good point. Are they a, are they a different? I, I guess they're they're a different version. They they seem to be more, and and I don't know what this would translate in angelology. I'm not mm-hmm. adept. Is in that. angelology a real thing or is this a Keithism? No, I think it's I think it's a real thing. Uh, I might be pronouncing <laughs> it wrong. Um, but yeah, there there are people who devote themselves to like the study of angels. To the um, study of something they can never actually study. Yeah, yeah, and well, I guess maybe devote is a little weird. Interpret. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm sure this is not all they study, but anyway, <laughs> they're just. They, what if it's what if it's really great uh, fan fiction, like in the anal uh, anal's <laughs> Freudian slip, um, uh, in the annals of of the Vatican. There's mm-hmm. just like George R. Martin esque volumes. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, angel fanfic, right? Yeah. So I don't know, but but they seem to be more uh, like scribes, or that they're they're on the goofier side of the angel spectrum, <laughs> right? They're the comic relief right. up there. I'm not sure why those guys are like got to be in charge of him in the first place, or it Genesis. Yeah, yeah. And, and why strange. did they choose... Unless the, they're like babysitters or something. Why, why do you think they chose a woman to be a seraphim? Do you think that was an intentional choice or just... Hey, I think it's an woman intentional choice. I wanted to get to it a little bit when we actually talked about the fight scene, but we can, we can, um, we can hash it out now. Yeah, we'll just jump right into it. You, you don't get to beat up a woman like that. Right. If it's a woman. You don't get to just punch a soccer mom in the face and that kind of stuff unless she's not a soccer mom. Unless it's not a woman, unless it's a seraphim or something. So I think it's a way for them to push boundaries, get people talking. Oh my goodness, you know, look at this over the top violence. I think that's specifically why it's a woman. Right, just shock value. Yeah, I I, I, I would have said the same thing. I think it's just purely for the shock of you don't expect three men to start hitting a woman. (laughs) We were just as shocked as Jesse when we looked outside. And right. the angels were like pounding her into pulp outside, you know? So we, that was just like, that was shocking to us. And then it got into the scene and then it went crazy and it was hilarious. And I thought it was funny and I no longer felt bad because it's not a woman. Right. It's a seraphim. Um, reinvigoration. I thought is very, very cool. I don't know if that's a real thing that's ever been mentioned anywhere before but i but i think that's really really cool um i loved the scene when i forget who was who but the one guy's bleeding in the corner and the other guy goes are you are you dying he's like no and then pop just cracks his skull and we're just at that point i'm like what is he doing and then then he explained you know you have to come back you have to die right that that was that was very interesting do you guys like the fight scene keith i get the i get the impression that Maybe you thought it was a bit much. No, I loved it. I loved it. Okay. Yeah. Part of part Some of my notes, I wasn't sure. Right. Part of my question for you all was, 
you know, they, they're clearly proud of their set pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, and even this far into the season, I can clearly remember the church fight scene. I can clearly remember the Cassidy fight up in the, um, up in the plane. Mm-hmm. I can remember the tulip car fight. Um, all of those are really great set pieces, but I wanted to get your takes on whether you felt like this set piece was starting to have some diminishing returns because we're getting set pieces, but we're not getting, you know, our character moments are Tulip screaming, stay away from my boyfriend and still kind of hedging our bets on Kin Cannon and, you know, Jesse and his ultimate plan. And, you know, some of these things that were just... they're not fitting co- coherently into a picture yet. Um, and I, I just wanted to know if you felt like when the episode settled down, did you look back on that opening and be like, all right, you know, that was pretty, but maybe a little more on the back end of this thing. It sounds like you guys though, didn't have a problem with the episode. Maybe as much as I did. On yeah, the, no, I'm on not the having end. the disconnect that you're having. Okay. For me, everything is in place and it's, it's moving forward. I okay. can't think of any major questions that I have about the series that haven't been addressed at least in some way. So I feel like at this point, everything is now moving forward. And the only questions I have are questions just because they just haven't happened yet. They're not just like fundamental. Mm. I don't understand what's going on with this character questions. Okay. In terms of the fight scene itself, the reason that they're still sticking out to me is they're, is they're still so unique, right? This, this wasn't just a fight scene between the four characters. It's a fight scene between these four characters, three of which who are constantly being killed, coming back to life or, or reappearing all the while their bodies are stacking up on the floor, right? Mm. That's unique. Yeah. The the awesome. fight scene in the church is, I still remember the, the, the hand, the, getting... the chainsaw dragging the hand across. <laughs> you know, there's still things I remember in each fight scene right. that stick out to me. Right. So they're not just like, hey, watch these people beat up on each other for a few minutes to sort of satisfy your caveman mind and then mm-hmm. we'll move on. So it, it still works for me. The episode was like a roller coaster for me, and this is the the guess, this was the big dip, you know, all the way down. It was that was the good part. Um, I think it was my favorite set piece, if you will, from the whole series so far. Okay. Um, I thought it was funny. I thought it was exciting. Um, I I liked the interactions between all the different characters and then Cassidy coming in and, and he said, and then the the one they like, they finally used the chainsaw and he, what he disarticulated her, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, I, I I liked it. I just liked it a lot. I thought it was a lot of fun, which can you disarticulate someone and them still be alive? Like that means he cut off her arms and legs, right? Yeah. (laughs) Think so. So there's no way you live through that. Uh, have you seen I Hostel? I mean, there's no way. I haven't. Yeah, neither But there's no way <laughs> you get disarticulated by a chainsaw in a motel bathroom and live to <laughs> talk about it. He could have just made her, like, just, just like, hands and feet. I mean, it doesn't have sure. to be mm-hmm. the whole arms and legs. But, yeah, you're still going to lose a ton of blood. Um, I, I, just, I thought it was funny. And they're going to leave her there. And, um... I don't know how they're going to clean that mess up. I thought about that too. 
what do they do with this hotel room? <laughs> like, I get that they're angels, but so someone's they're, still going to walk into a hotel room with 50 bodies, bodies in it. Of the same bodies. Of the same three people, right? <laughs> and the bodies are like husks. But I, I, I don't even think we're, I don't think we're supposed to think about it. It's starting to make my brain. Yeah. Hurt. Yeah. But I, when the cops get there, do they, do, are they copies of people that exist? Are they not copies? Right. Do they have fingerprints? Are they asexual? Yeah. So that fight scene ends with Jesse refusing to give Genesis up and walking away. And, and I think throughout all of that, we do through that in the diner scene, we do find out that the two angels are just babysitters of Genesis. Mm -hmm. It does live in that coffee can. He's singing nursery rhymes to it because it's a baby. He's trying to come out, blah, blah, blah. But at the end, uh, Jesse refuses to give the power up. He thinks it's his for a reason and he's going to use it. And at one point, one of the angels talks about going to the other option. Right. And that's remains a mystery. What whatever that other option is. And I started mm -hmm. to get the feeling that potentially that could be the in route for God to appear on Earth. Maybe that other option is for God himself to appear. I know that in in the comics, I think it's God appears just because he's just run away. Right. I believe that's the motivation in the comics. He just has decided to he quit. He quit. He right. quit because of Genesis. Oh, okay. Because Gen Genesis got out, and he seemed scared by Genesis. Is mm -hmm. that right, Rob? That's kind of the feeling I got from the comment. There was there was some real fear. Mm -hmm. Like he wouldn't he wouldn't um, communicate directly to Jesse in Genesis. He would tell Tulip stuff or Cassidy stuff to tell Jesse at that point. Um, I still have like it's still sitting there. I still haven't finished, so I'm not sure exactly how all of that is going to culminate. I forget because it's been a long, long time since I since I read the series, and I'm not done yet. But um, I like how it culminates in the in the comic. But they they seem to be going a different direction here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so too. Um, so I don't know that God is the other option. I immediately thought that the Saint of Killers would be the other option. Mm. But then I thought that God would be the one to send the Saint of Killers. So I, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. well, the, uh, I'm going to break in with another theology observation. Um, there's an idea called open theism that basically says that God is not aware of the future. So given the, what we've learned this episode... If you had to weigh in on whether you felt like the God of this universe knows the future and is in any way responsible for helping Genesis get out and is not being active in his capture because he is um, either allowing this to happen, like if, if this is still part of his plan, or do you think the God of this universe is just completely surprised by what's going to happen as as we are or the characters are i haven't thought about it that way i haven't thought about the you know what the omniscient god that is supposed to know like the future and stuff and that until now i'm just not really even thinking about that but jesse obviously believes that this is the plan 
that he is meant to have the power and right. meant to use the power. So I was always under the assumption that God was still doing his business in this universe and just not aware that Genesis had escaped. But then that doesn't really fit with the whole omniscient God. So I don't know. I don't know, man. Just broke my brain. What am I uh, commenting <laughs> on? What are your options? <laughs> <laughs> just say you want door one or door two, and then we'll, uh, we'll uh, move on. Yeah, my understanding is that God is knows all. The open theism thing is new to me. I've never heard of that before. Yeah. So, and that seems contrary to everything I've been taught, or or everything that I know about God, in that He knows everything, past, present, and future. Because it made me think about in this, in terms of who do you think is calling them on the phone? Other angels. So you think it's other angels uh, on, by by the direction of God? I mean, potentially, yeah. Yeah, then, then I mean, I think, t- to me, I was thinking, if that's God's best way of getting a hold of these two, <laughs> then this God is pretty not <laughs> omnipotent <laughs> and is, omniscient. This God is also, it is also possible that he quit, just like in the book. Exactly. We still don't know it yet. Exactly. That's true. Although, although that's I, why he's missing. Right. Although I think, well... I was going to say, although you, you may have thought that the seraphim would have said something, but maybe not, especially if they're of a higher order and she looks down with disdain on these two right. lower angels that she's just trying to operate to get God back. So, yeah, I would say God has either abdicated already or he's an extremely weak kind of uh, ad- admin personality, a pencil pusher. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think theologically it would only fit in an open theistic idea where this this is not an omniscient god. We uh later in the episode there's a there's a follow-up Jesse and Cassidy scene where they are more or less talking about this dilemma that the angels present Jesse and giving the or giving Genesis back or keeping it. And I also want to point out we still don't know how exactly jesse would give genesis back right Mm -hmm. because originally they were going to cut him open with a chainsaw in Mm -hmm. which case i would be like for better or worse i'm gonna hold on to this thing (laughs) right they all and then they try the lullaby that doesn't work uh so that's a whole nother issue but cassidy in uh in what in what we've seen in all the the previous episodes between these two they they end up being polar opposites Cassidy is the uh, skeptic, right? He's he's not convinced that this is something Jesse should hold on to, that it's good or whatever. Jesse is the believer. He thinks that this is happening for a reason. He's got it specifically for a reason. And to an extent, he's right because we've seen Genesis and other people and they just explode. explode. Mm-hmm. So there obviously is something about Jesse that can contain the power. Uh, but throughout it all, we, we get this sort of back and forth and I remember maybe it was during the scene or, or not too long after it, you start to get the first sort of signs that Jesse is doubting what he's doing, right? I think up until this point, he's been arrogant. He's sort of been, uh, kind of fast and loose with what he's doing with the power. And I think. During this scene, 
and shortly thereafter, you really start to see that he's uh, questioning questioning the power and what he's doing, what he's supposed to do, why he has it, blah, 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 blah. Also in the scene, they start examining each other's tattoos. Um, and Jesse has a tulip tattoo, which he points out. And, and, and I think, and this is, this, this is interesting to me because we talked about it a little bit last episode, right? Keith, you were convinced that Cassidy knew Jesse and Tulip's relationship. And I think Rob and I both assumed that he didn't. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it fe- it feels like he should know what the relationship is. Right. But I also knew that he just didn't, right? Just by whatever t- television miracle, he just didn't know what it was. <laughs> uh, and so then we get this t- tulip tattoo, and he's still completely oblivious. And, and that's what bothers me about it. And that's why I'm also we- wary of the future. Um, we're going to bring up this sleeping thing this uh affair or sex thing whatever you want to call it in the future is for like cheap drama points and it just was like i mean it i, I like the scene i like the the tattoo exploration was fine he also jesse also brings up the um when the first tattoo that cassidy points out and jesse says i got that from a very bad woman or something like that a mean so, old woman or mean something. old woman which i thought was is first of all a confirmation of a storyline from the comics, mm-hmm. but that's also exciting because that storyline is like crazy, yeah, right. And so it'll be interesting to see how they take that on. What do you think about that, Rob? I'm I'm excited to go there. Um, I I liked the you know it's it's just a throwaway line to anybody else. It doesn't matter unless you're really really paying attention, right? And over like a comic fan, you know, of a glimpse of something that we're going to have later, you know, so we all immediately went to the grandma, right? Yes. Yeah, that's cool. I'm excited about that. Yeah. Um, I was less confused. Like, I, I got that he didn't get tulips, um, or the significance of the tulip tattoo. Sometimes he's a little, Cassidy's just a little dense. Yeah. Just sometimes. Um. And I, I kind of liked the, I liked the scene when he realized it, when they're in the closet and Jesse's right there and, you know, she's putting the stuff in there or whatever. And Cassidy's trying to get, you know, a little sum sum. And of course she's not interested because, you know, she's not interested in him at all. Um, but that's the scene where he's like, oh, you're, ho- you're his tulip. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I'm glad the, the realization is there. I just, I, I mean, like I said. It feels I know I knew up until that point that Cassidy didn't know about the relationship. But, and maybe mm-hmm. it's maybe it's because of the the experience I have with the comic, but it just felt like he should have known that that relation like they've been around each other enough yes. to pick up on that sort of thing. That's what right. it felt like at least. There's no reason for her to be at the church, you know. Right. Yeah. If she exactly. Like She's him. just a complete stranger Dude. showing up at the church unless she knows Jesse. Right. Uh, and so later on, I don't know if it's a part of the same scene or different or what, what part of the timeline of the episode it falls on, but, but you then start to see, uh, Jesse setting up a loudspeaker or sort of a, like a PA system in the church. 
And I felt like uh, I, I was I'm wondering if you guys assume the same thing I did, which was as soon as I saw that, I just assumed he's planning on using the word through the PA system to basically get everyone at the church or even in the town of Anvil at the same time. Yes. So you made that same assumption. Yeah, I just couldn't figure out what exactly he would say right. to everybody. He'd tell them all to go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> that would set each of them right. You know, they each have their own different problems. So even if he did serve God, you know, or something again like that, I, I'm not sure that it would, that that would even do what he wants it to do. Uh, we obviously know it won't do what he wants it to do, but I just I'm just trying to figure out what he would say. You know, not sure. Yeah. Well, th- this kind of goes at a, a a question I have, which is, how in control do you think Jesse is of himself, and how much do you think he's under the control of Genesis? I'm really starting to worry about that, um, especially um, towards the end. It seemed as if he thinks he's doing the right thing. He thinks he's, you know, he's trying to help these people fulfill this promise or something. Um, but he does seem like he's out of control a little bit. It seemed, yeah, I, I agree. It, he definitely he, he banishes Eugene to hell, right? That is an out of control moment. I don't know if that is. I don't know if that is just uh, uh, he's so frustrated that he loses control or if Genesis is becoming a stronger willed Mm -hmm. entity Mm -hmm. and taking control. And I'm also not sure where the the control changes. Is it Jesse that said go to hell, Eugene, but Genesis is the one that turned it on? You know, where was the was was it an, an intentional use of the word, yeah. or was that something Genesis did? That's where I was kind of, like, confused. Well, because the, the angels warn him to stop using it. They tell him to stop using the word so arbitrarily. And the sense that I got from their warning was that every time Genesis, you know, kind of uh, executes its power, it its will does get stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a good point. Yeah. And so I think basing off of the angel's warning, that's, that's how I interpreted it. And I think Genesis might at this point have the ability to play off of Jesse's darker uh, instincts. You know, it's like, yeah. it's, it's just like, you know, uh, I'm watching star Wars with my son it's just like the light and the dark side, you know, and Jesse now has access to both sides of his nature and Genesis is wanting to take him, you know, darker and he's, he's, he's succeeding. Early on, we talked a lot about this, this series, not having a villain, like your friend couldn't identify a villain, you know, early on. We kind of assumed it was going to be Ken Cannon, right? What do you guys think about of Jesse as the villain of the season? I definitely did thought you, about this episode. Did you watch the previews for next week? Yeah, he definitely looks like he doubles down. Something 
whether he said it, the, the, the editing was strange, but he said, damning another person to hell, if that's God's will, something, you know, then, then I'm just going to go with it. Something like that. Basically the way it was framed, you know, it, it doesn't matter that Eugene is in hell. You know, that's, it's got, it's, you know, this is God's will or, you know, his God's plan. And if that's the case and that's where it's going, you know, I really am starting to look at him. Maybe he's the villain because he's the one. Yeah, there's a pedophile. There's Kin, Kin Cannon, which, you know, he's shooting people. There's he had the, an innocent um, guy cut his heart out. Still unaddressed. The, the, the <laughs> racist guy with the, you know, beating his wife. Um, you know, whether she likes it or not, you know, there's all this stuff, but he's making it all worse. And, and you know, we've talked about how he always makes it worse, but it seems like it's getting worse. He definitely is. Has, I think, very easy connections to a. Walter White character. Where what he wants to do is noble. But he's using in noble means to get it done right mm-hmm. he wants to help his town but he's going down this path of you know immoral activity potentially to get it done and the feeling i'm i get is that he uses the pa system to do whatever he has to do with the word he sees that that I mean, I guess it could go two ways. It could either be great and it sets him off on this path of, well, now I'm going to fix everyone or it could go terribly wrong, which I feel like is what it's going to do. And that's going to make him give up and just start using the word. And that's when he will start to follow Tulip and he'll just start using the word for whatever. But the entire time we're watching this character who we know at heart is a good person or has maybe, you know, noble uh, aspects, but is just doing very bad things. And that's more or less Walter White's character. Mm -hmm. Keith, I just thought of something. Um, And you talked about what if this is the origin story, right? Season one is the origin story. Well, where does the comic really begin? That's exactly what I thought, Rob. (laughs) The comic begins when his church explodes, right? Right. And all those people die. Mm -hmm. And then there's the road trip. Mm -hmm. So what if this is all leading to that? I, I... I didn't think about it until earlier when we were talking, but mm-hmm. that's when it hit me. I think when you were talking about him being the villain, I was like, you know, the, the comic does open with a tragedy in his church that yeah. we have not had. And this could be that tragedy. And how does the church explode in his, in the comic? It just explodes from him getting the power, mm-hmm. right? It's the result yeah. of Genesis. So maybe he uses the loudspeaker. It explodes everybody. Season two. Or what Gen- if, what if or he tries to give Genesis, them the word? Or Genesis does something, right? And it and it explodes the church, and only he survives. I mean, you'd have to put Cassidy and Tulip somewhere else. Well, I right. mean, Cassidy could probably survive. Yeah, 
with a blanket and the rice hat mm-hmm. and some sunscreen. He just gets blown to a bush. And that's <laughs> enough shade. He's okay. Before we leave this, there was a strange quote he kept saying to himself. He said he made a promise. He said, I'll make them see the light. Then the promise will be fulfilled and then I'll be free. It's a paraphrase, but basically that's what he was saying to Eugene. The promise, what I, I always assumed the promise was to be a good man. Right. Because I guess that in the comic, that's what Jesse's dad wanted him to be. Right. Did we ever hear any type of promise that he made to his father in this series? And how is fulfill like, how is it going to set him free? <laughs> Maybe he just gets Any rid ideas? of that burden, I guess. I'm not sure. Like, how do you... I mean, the promise seems to be that he's going to, at least for the TV show, because the church that he is the preacher of was his father's church. So right. I'm assuming the promise has something to do with making the congregation of that church making those people see the light and after having done that definitively or however jesse judges that he will be free i just didn't know how you could put an end point on something like that right and you can't well yeah yeah it goes it goes back to this idea of like can you earn your own redemption and jesse might be trying to approach it from from that end but it doesn't make sense because of all the bad that he's doing to get there. You know, like he, he has not yet had to come to grips with the lives he's already ruined with the word. And he seems to not really care too much. I mean, his, his motivation, that's, that's the one thing that I think I'm still frustrated by because I, I haven't gotten a sense of his character beyond you know, having the word beyond trying to be a good man, but his actions are wildly contradictory and I haven't yet seen him have to suffer consequences. Right. So let's talk about the, My inno- man, Eugene. the innocent, the innocent little boy that appears <laughs> at the church after all this has happened. <laughs> um, so Eugene is sort of sprinkled throughout this episode. We start to see, and before we get to the um, the the banishing to hell moment, <laughs> I had some questions about, you see Eugene sprinkled throughout this episode, and we start to see kids at his school are being nice to him and including him in things. And I Just was, one kid. Right, just that, that one group of kids. It was yeah, like that one main kid and his buddies. Right. So I think there's the like buddies don't even want to sit with him or anything. It's mm-hmm. just that one kid. Oh, okay. So did you did either of you see that as a sinister thing? As in like a at some point they're going to pull the rug out from underneath Eugene, these kids are? Or do you think it was purely uh do you think it was purely we're going to make Eugene just a little bit more sympathetic right before we potentially send him to hell. I have a lot of questions about these scenes. I'm going to let Keith go first. Um, okay. I'm going to say if the kid our kids were genuine, then where are they now in the modern day? So. For me, Eugene seems pretty lonely, pretty friendless. 
I got the sense that those kids are setting him up. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see that setup pay off maybe in a later episode. If it's the alternative, the other argument that I'd have is the alternative is like super heavy handed. I mean, as bad as Tulip barging in on Emily. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just don't think that they would be that blunt for that little payoff because Eugene is already a sympathetic character. They've already yeah. done a good job of establishing him as sympathetic. So I think, exactly. I think those boys are going to pay off in a better way of establishing his character. I don't know how else he needs to be established, but mm-hmm. they're, I think that they're going to be, uh, I think that they're going to pull the rug out from under Eugene. Okay. First off Nirvana sticker in the locker. Yeah. I appreciate, I appreciated that. Thank you. <laughs> um, wh- whoever did that, you know, prop, props to you. Nice touch. Um, as Keith was talking, I got to thinking, we need to go back and check and see if that child, the kid in the red, the blonde hair, mm-hmm. if that kid is in the scene where um, Mrs. Loach forgives him. Mm-hmm. It's possible if he's in that scene that he's giving Eugene a second chance. Right. But you would think that we would we would recognize him if that's the case, right? They're not subtle on this show. Um, <laughs> so I'll, immediately, I feel like there's something sinister. They're, they're taking him down there. They're going to beat him. They're going to hurt him. S- something bad is going to happen. And then the fireworks go off, and he loves it, and I don't understand it. I don't know what, what do the fireworks represent. What What is the point of that entire sequence if it is just to make us like him i don't know for a couple more seconds before they get rid of him i think that was an entirely wasted scene so since it made no sense to me i went back and i watched it again today trying to figure out okay are those kids real is this something where eugene in eugene's mind he just wants someone to be nice to him but i couldn't find any evidence of them actually not being there or them being a part of it. Like maybe the whole thing happens like, cause as soon as the kid walks by and says, Hey Eugene, he says, sorry. Right. Cause he's always apologizing. Right. So I'm, I'm following along a different path. Okay. Where that's what really happened. And then the, uh, like the other stuff didn't happen, but there's no evidence of that. So I think it really happened. I don't know why it happened. It doesn't make sense why it happened. And the fireworks in the tube, instead of beating him up, I'm not sure what that's supposed to represent. I I have an answer. As soon as as I gave my two only explanations, I thought of a third explanation, which I think is the answer. Okay. I think the answer is as simple as Eugene goes to Jesse. Why does he go to Jesse? Because he's uncomfortable with the forgiveness with the forgiveness he's been given mm-hmm. but we haven't seen anybody actually forgiving him outside of mrs loach who was forced mm-hmm. but in between those two moments we've we have not seen any change in eugene's life whatsoever so all those scenes are are, sh- are showing that he 
is now receiving some sort of forgiveness from the community represented by these kids, and he's uncomfortable with it. And that's all it is. Because so, you can't just show him, you can't just have him show up and be like, I'm not comfortable with people treating me this way now. But we haven't seen how anybody's treating him any differently. Any different, okay. I think that's all it is. Okay. And the fireworks thing is just teenager mischievousness, I guess. Okay. But it I is, but it is sort of, good. yeah, it is sort of framed in a sinister way because I think Eugene's mindset, which is also our mindset is, is this really happening mm-hmm. or are these kids just going to beat me up in this tunnel and leave me here? Yeah, exactly. Yep. That's exactly what I thought. Okay. So that makes a lot more sense to me now. And you, when you put it in the context of, you know, him saying that he doesn't want this fake stuff, you know, he doesn't right. want to cheat. Um, you know, when you early on in this show, you called Eugene Jesse's something. It's like counter. Yeah. My understanding is, is Jess, Eugene is basically Jesse's conscious or sort of like inner, inner dialogue, right? Like Eugene represents Jesse's the good angel on his shoulder. Well, Jesse's sort of just the questions that Jesse has about his own faith. I feel like, right? Like Eugene is questioning whether or not he truly deserves God's forgiveness, and Jesse is struggling with those same questions because of the stuff he's done in the past. You know, the the bank robbery or shooting the guy potentially, whatever. So that happened in this scene also in the in the, the church scene with him because he. You know, specifically saying those things that you you know is going through Jesse's mind. Yeah. And then when he banishes Eugene, he also banishes all those thoughts, and he goes full force the other way. Like, like made up his mind. You know, that's this is God's plan. This is what I'm gonna be. This is what I'm gonna do. You know, to hell with you. To hell with all these other thoughts. Yeah. And you you see that in the early episodes when you really really see it you know, in this specific scene. So I want to give you big props for that. Yeah, I I agree. I really like the fact that in banishing Eugene, he's banishing that side of his consciousness or conscience. Yeah. So is Eugene in hell? Keith, where is Eugene at? We know that heaven is real, right? So hell Mm -hmm. has to be real. And... I'm trying to remember. So Jesse said, go to hell, Eugene. Yeah. Yep. And then you get like a flash of orangish red. Mm-hmm. And then you see that Eugene's gone. And it's I'm the tr- sounds, man. It's the sounds. Right, and there's sounds, yeah. I'm trying to parse the language of his command to give Eugene an out. But there really is none. Right. So, yes, he is in hell. Yeah. Rob, long, do you think Eugene is hell? Long-term Clive Barker fan. Seen all the movies, read all the books. Have you read Thief of Always? Yes, absolutely. Huge Many fan times. of Thief of Always. That book is amazing. Great book. Yeah. Um, I've seen all the Hellraisers, and he's down there with Pinhead. <laughs> and because those sounds, it's like it came straight out of a Hellraiser movie. Yeah. Um. Like, I feel like I heard the chains mm. and stuff. Like, I really, it, I might might be, like, projecting onto that, but both times 
I feel like I heard that stuff, and I, I'm very afraid for Eugene. I don't know how you, I don't know how you fix that. And as my favorite character, somebody you know, that I've really come to to care about and love in this show, I I, I texted a friend and I was like, I, I'm kind of pissed off right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to think. Um. I wasn't sure if you guys had watched yet. I didn't want to, I, I didn't want to spoil anything, sure. but man. So yeah, I think he's in hell. Keith, you think he's in hell? Yeah. Justin. I'd have to say from everything we've seen with the show so far and how literal the word is, he'd have to be in hell. Right. And like, it makes sense with sort of knowing how uh how much he's not involved in the comics from when I was reading on the subreddit a while ago he's just he's not a huge character in the comics at least for not as much as he's been involved in this first season so yep. in that aspect it makes sense to get him off the show in such an early way but at the same time, he seemed like such an integral part of the show. Like I said, I felt like he was the physical manifestation of Jesse's conscious. And so and there, so he offers so much balance. Right, exactly. And I was also really impressed with presenting these really heavy topics through this mangled character. So it's... It's it's hard to swallow that they would just get rid of him in the sixth episode, mm-hmm. but it seems like they did. I don't think I don't think he's gone for good necessarily. Yeah, I think there are ways to get him back, but I absolutely think he's in hell. Yeah. Hey, so here's um, here's my prediction question for you for you guys. Is it is it a board theory prediction? Well, this is me setting. Yeah, I guess we we can make this a board a board bet. Between the three of us, I'll give us all a, a chance to, to win a point. Um, do you think we get a scene of Eugene in hell this season? Any flash? Any representation? Rob? That'd be a hell of a cold open, wouldn't it? <laughs> That's a good point. Um. I don't know. Um, let's see. I'm on the spot here. I think he's coming back somehow, some way. God can do anything he wants. Um, can't like a that there's not enough time for him to go to hell and like break him free. <laughs> like that. I don't think that's where the story's gonna go. Right. Um. But they have shown us, you know, Saint of Killers, like in forty-five second snippets. Mm-hmm. I so I think it's possible that we get something very, very small, even if it's just, you know, his his face or him crying or something. A quick image. Um, I'm I'm gonna go with yes. Yes, but it's gonna be short. And Justin says yes. He's like, no. I would say, yes. I would say, if it's this season, this season, I would say, no, absolutely not. I don't think so. Throughout the course of the series, if I have to answer yes or no, I would say 
No. If I could hedge my bets, I would say maybe. And <laughs> if, well, if, then you can't hedge say, your bets. I would say if we do, I, I would lean towards no. But I would say if we do, it's going to be along the lines of the purgatory slash hell scene in the leftovers where mm. it's not a straight up here's Eugene being tortured and surrounded by flames. It's going to be maybe a cold open, like Rob said, that seems completely pedestrian, but then you realize, Oh, this is Eugene's hell. Eugene is in hell. And this mm. is what it is like for Eugene. All right. And but then, I don't think it's happening this season. Okay. I'll, I think Eugene is gone for this season. Okay. I'll go with yes. And I'll double down for double my points. It's going to come in a nightmare uh, sequence uh, from Jesse. But does that count if it's a nightmare? Yeah. I said any depiction of Eugene in hell. Oh, okay. So. Oh, well, I know I didn't pick up on that. I'm still going to say no. All right. Well, there you go. Jesse is going to have a moment of crisis and he's going to have images flashing in his mind of all the results of what he's made people do, including the man who cut his heart out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of them will be Eugene's face in flames. There it is. Okay. All right. Put it on the board. One last thing I wanted to bring up. Actually, there's two things. One thing I wanted to bring up is, and I was curious if either of you also got this feeling towards the end of the episode with the interactions between Eugene and whatever the mayor's name is. We get a little bit of him throughout the episode. I'm starting to pick up on a theme of this idea that, that God is, is different for every single person you talk to. And as much as Jesse is the preacher and has answers or whatever, his idea of God is still going to be completely different from everyone in the church. And it's, it's completely different from the mayor's idea of God. It's completely different from Eugene's idea of God. And I'm perfectly happy with them just leaving that as an ambiguous theme that just sort of pops up every now and now and again. Or is just sort of like an overarching theme that can loosely apply to everything. But I was wondering if you guys picked up on that as well. I just got the feeling that they're playing with this idea that, I mean, especially with the mayor, because the mayor is like asking him what he's supposed to do. And ultimately it just comes down to, um, they're having that conversation about Jesse's like, well, he's, he's, you you know when god is is talking to you you just mm-hmm. know right and that's basically what his answer is yeah and that is something that is interesting to me because that that's kind of is a central theme of religion right like and i mean you can say the same thing about uh uh a a pastor or a preacher and a serial killer you know what i mean like preachers claim that that god is is talking to them and saying these things serial killers do the same thing you know people's ideas and interpretations of god are completely different and i just thought it was interesting that they seem to be 
playing around with that idea. Did either of you pick up on that? We were worried early on that they weren't maybe going to treat the the religious stuff with with the respect, you know, that we were interested in seeing. And not yeah. it doesn't have to necessarily be respect, but we wanted to see some of these things play out, right? right? And it seems like through that observation, Justin, that they are, you know, taking some of these harder questions and and looking at them maybe in a fun way. We're shooting angels and right. chopping up stuff and, and doing all kinds of crazy things. But to me personally, you know, God is very personal. And, in, you know, in, in my the way I see God could be very different than the way you or Keith see God. Right. And for him be, for it to be unknowable, you know, that's kind of like, that's kind of like how it is. So I think that's interesting. And I think that's, that's neat. And I love seeing the, the clash between Jesse and Eugene. That's why I want Eugene to be around some more to see both sides, you know, Eugene's thoughtfulness about, I don't want this forgiveness this way. You know, you can't make them see the light. You know, it's, it's about the choice and all that kind of stuff. You know, that, you know, hits home for me really, yeah, really deeply. Um, so I like all that stuff. I like that they're going there and that there's different, not different versions, but different, mm, sure. Different versions of God in the different characters. I like it. I think it's interesting. Um, I'm glad they're going there. Well, I like the idea of them having different versions of a God who's gone, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that that is kind of because, you know, I think it's, man, I feel bad whenever I'm in front of a microphone, I start second guessing everything Mm -hmm. that I say when I reference another writer or thinker. I think it's C.S. Lewis who basically said, you know, Jesus was either, a liar, a madman, or he was telling the truth. Mm-hmm. Like those are the only three ways that you can take his claims. Um, and I like that there is that idea of the certainty that we can have here on earth about something that's unknowable in heaven. And no matter what three of those things you believe the reality could be like God abdicated, you know, right. That's kind of, uh, going back to our founding fathers a little bit who many attribute as Christians. A lot of them were actually theists and theists believe that God created the world and then kind of walked away and left us Mm -hmm. here. And it's kind of like this idea of he wound up a clock and now the clock is running, but he's gone. Right. I like the idea that people are like looking at the clock and looking at like what's left over and the remnants and they're coming up with ideas and theories on who God is and what he is. And in reality, he's walked away. <laughs> <laughs> he's making another universe or he's just, you know, gone. Right. So I, I kind of like that. I, I hope they do kind of play that out a little bit. Yeah. Okay. And the last question I've got, and Keith, this is actually your question. So I'll let you answer it first. And I, and you talked a little bit about this, I think at the beginning of the episode, the last episode ends with Odin Quinn Cannon shooting a bunch of people. This episode directly following, we get no Odin Quinn Cannon 
or Kin Cannon at all. Did that bother you? A little bit. Mm-hmm. It bothered me a little bit because we have the big event at the end of the season, and it again kind of left me like I want to see some consequences. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, I like seeing things happen, and they are showing us things happen, but I'm ready to start seeing some consequences. Um, so it did, it did get to me a little bit, but not enough to truly affect my enjoyment of the show. Yeah. I got to the end. I was like, okay. And in the, and I think maybe one thing to help me too is like, I'm glad that AMC doesn't make us wait through commercials to then see the next on it. Just like next on Mm -hmm. preacher. And I saw Kin Cannon almost immediately. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. all right. He's, he's coming. Um, but it does speak. It's not really him. It speaks to my impatience with the consequence side of this whole thing. Sure. Rob, no, not at all, because we saw the mayor cleaning it up. We saw the mayor trying to figure out. I couldn't figure out. He said, if I do this this wrong thing, it'll hurt a couple people. But if I do the, wait, if I do the right thing, it's going to hurt more people. Was he thinking about the townspeople? I, I'm not exactly sure where his mind was there, but he's cleaning it up. He's taking the heat. Justin, early on, you called him a dirtbag for, um, what for doing the dishes or something? Uh-huh. Remember he was doing the dishes and, <laughs> He's just and trying to wiener. get in Emily's pants and you didn't He's like a little him. weak willed. That's all. <laughs> um, so the consequences aren't there because nobody knows yet. Um, there's a, I'm not sure why he feels like he needs to protect King Cannon or maybe it's cause it's his town and he's the mayor. Yeah. I'm not really sure where that's headed. Um, if they hadn't touched it at all, I think I'd be more on Keith's side. But since we did have some resolution with him and at least trying to fake it, you know, I thought mm. that was fine. Yeah, I, I was fine with it. I was fine with it because the episode had so much going on. If we had gotten yeah. episodes like three or four and they and all we got were those scenes from the mayor, then I would have been really bothered by it. And I also, I think, contrary to, to Rob, what you just said, I think I almost would have rather had it completely not mentioned at all because just having those scenes of the mayor raised more questions for me than anything. Like, and maybe that's the point. You know, maybe that's a good uh, a sign of a good drama or whatever. But it, like... I, I have no idea other than just being sort of weak willed and like easily bullied. I have no idea why the mayor would just go along with the slaughter of four, you know, business people from a different company or city, city, whatever. So like I said, maybe that's the point is to raise the question, but it just seems weird that, that he would just, that the first thing we would get out of that um, action is just the mayor covering up for it. And I guess part of that makes sense. It just seemed weird to me. And I have I'm a sorry, question. I have to jump in. I have to go. <laughs> My wife has come to pick me up. I'm like a little kid. <laughs> um, but yeah, you guys can, can wrap up and talk about the board. Sure. Just say my farewell. Sure. For me. All okay. right. 
Okay, so we've got uh, the board. Rob, you were so kind to go back and listen to all the old episodes and sort of take down all of the predictions and everything we had talked about the actual board. Uh, so uh, you sent me the Google Doc and I put it up on our website. So you can go to the website, eipodcast.com. We've got a whole separate page that has all of our predictions listed. And eventually, as they get answered or disproven, it'll be on there and we'll start, you know, sort of getting a clear picture. Right. I think we've made a couple this episode that we can put on there. But I'll have to, uh, I'll have to uh, pick those up when I edit the episode. The only thing I added was Keith's, are we going to see Eugene in hell or okay. are we not going to see Eugene in hell? I'm not sure if anything else, if you, if you see anything, um, we can add it. Also, we are interested in listener theories. If we missed, some, missed something and you want to get on the board, tweet us, email us, um, let us know. Yeah, definitely. Um, thanks for listening to Everything Preacher. You can subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or the Google Play Store. Our website is eipodcast.com. You can find our big preacher board there with all of our predictions. Uh, You can also find any sort of email, links, contact information on there. You can follow the show on Twitter. We are at eipodcasts. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at blizzard with nine Z's. Uh, Rob, you're on Twitter. Shiny underscore Rob. Keith is also on Twitter. He is at things come right. We have our uh, separate podcast called Everything is Interesting, which is more of a pop culture podcast. Rob, you do a, a podcast. Best of three podcast. It's geek centric. I sit down with my best friends and we talk about stuff. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if you've got any theories or questions, find our contact information in those places and, and, and uh, be sure to email me or contact us on Twitter. And uh, thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. Here I'm, here I'm